0: Welcome to Blockrockets Expert Talk, the podcast where we will interview industry experts, thought leaders and interesting figures from around the world about blockchain technology and its adoption. My name is Sagar and I'm investment manager of BlockRocket. We are one of the leading investors for early stage blockchain startups in Germany. As a part of our program, we invest up to 500,000 euro in pre-seed and seed blockchain startups. We are looking for the next big thing in the blockchain space. So if you know someone or if you think you are working on something exciting, then feel free to apply to our website. In our episode today, I would like to introduce you to our next guest. He needs no introduction. This is Anthony Scaramucci, a former White House communication director and the founder of SkyBridge Capital and Salt Conference. Hello, Anthony. Thank you for joining us. How are you doing? Hey, really good to be here. Thanks, Sagar I think uh, today is uh, basically a good day. Uh, there's also parallelly. I'm based in Munich and parallel Munich conferences, security conference happening in Munich. So before we go into several different topics, I would like to ask you specifically about your journey into Bitcoin. As long as I know, like uh, Anthony Pompalino uh, introduced you to the Bitcoin, but I would like to hear from your side, like who introduced you to Bitcoin and why are you so convinced about it?
1: Well, I mean, it is true that Anthony Pompliano and I have had many conversations, including I was on his podcast before I became a full-on Bitcoin investor, uh, going way back 2014. The Winklevoss brothers came to the Salt Conference and spent some time with me explaining Bitcoin. I was reluctant back then uh, because I'm an institutional investor and. Uh, we're having a hard enough time in 2022 explaining to institutions why they need to own Bitcoin and Ethereum and some of these other cryptocurrencies. And so back in 2014, it would have been a near impossibility. So remember, as a money manager with an installed base of clients, you have to, uh, you know, there's an expression, you know, if people want white shirts, you give them white shirts. If people want blue shirts, you give them blue shirts. And so, Nobody wanted a polka dot or an avalanche shirt, you know, Uh, and so I got up to speed. I got more confident in the stories, more confident in the understanding of what a distributed ledger, a decentralized ledger uh, was and an understanding of the cryptography and the blockchain. And as I got more comfortable with it, it became clear to me that this was going to be a big part of the future. And I would say that happened after my conversation with Michael Saylor back in 2020. I had a checklist. Would Bitcoin get to 100 million wallets? Would it be easy to store in a safe way, unclipped from the internet so that nobody could steal it on me if I was going to put nine figures in it? And then the third thing is, how did I feel about long-term global regulation? And since Bitcoin was deemed as property in the United States, I felt it would be very hard for them to take your Bitcoin from you in the Western nation. So that combination, I put about $300 million in Bitcoin back in November, December, we put in, I should say. Uh, And it's grown nicely. Of course, it meteorically rose to 70. It's now back in the high 30s, low 40s. And, you know, I don't know when you're broadcasting But, you know, it could be higher or lower depending on the day. It's very volatile because it's an early adapting technology story. Interesting. Uh, So basically, like
0: you were uh, so in in, in investor perspective, I think we say like uh, you like the startup, but they are in the seed round. So you would not uh, invest into that you would just keep eye on it. And when they're raising the series A and they have like some sort of like attraction, you would go all in or some sort of you would like to invest. So that's, I think, the same story with you that you were keeping eye on it closely. And then when you feel comfortable, like, okay, this is the time to go into Bitcoin. So I have like several questions prepared for you. Uh, but before we jump into different section of Bitcoin's uh, talk, I would like to ask you specific about like your story about studying at Harvard Law College, but you also mentioned several times you didn't never practice law, right? And then founding the Skybridge Capital. And later stage, you also started organizing uh, SALT conferences. So if you couldn't uh, share a few of your main topic or story about yourself, yeah.
1: Well, I mean, mean, I'll take you way back. You know, I grew up in a blue collar family. My dad was uh, a crane operator, hourly worker. Uh, It was a great time to be in America because blue collar families had pretty high living wages. And so, you know, we grew up in the middle class. I would never tell you or anybody that I grew up poor. I wouldn't dishonor my dad by even suggesting that. But, you know, we had to watch our money. We had a budget. Uh, My parents weren't educated and were at the college. It was very important to them that they send their kids to college. Um, That was something that was a mantra sort of I heard every day you're going to college, go study, blah, blah. And so, you know, that, that was a fait accompli as a kid. Uh, But I have to tell you that because, you know, and again, I know your upbringing, but when you have no family members ever been to college, nobody's been ever been in the inside of a country club. No one's ever been inside a corporate office building in midtown Manhattan, or you pick the place you're coming from the outside, you know, and you're coming from the outside with a, degree of self-consciousness and a degree of discomfort. And so even in my job interviews, I, and I've joked about this over the years, my first job at interview with Goldman, I was like in a hundred percent polyester suit. I thought I'd look great. The Goldman partner thought I looked like absolute garbage. And he t- said to me, Hey man, you're a smart kid, but you got to go get a real suit. Otherwise I'm not gonna be able to take you to Goldman. And I remember being so embarrassed about that. And so Um, why am I bringing this all up? Because I think it's important no matter where you are, particularly in America, you can make it, but you've got to prepare yourself for failure. You've got to prepare yourself for setbacks and you have to prepare yourself for self-conscious embarrassment. If you can do those things, you can see through those things. Um, you can manifest a pretty good life. And so for me, I got out of law school. I had gone to Goldman Sachs. I made a promise to myself that the day that I paid off my school debt, I would leave Goldman Sachs to start my first business. I paid that debt off Memorial Weekend, Memorial Day weekend, 1996, and I left Goldman on December 1st, 1996, to start my first company.
0: Interesting. Uh, and uh, you, what is the reason behind you started organizing the SALT conferences by invi- inv- inviting the asset manager, institutional, and some of the top founders? I saw your photo with some from FTX in last conference, right? What is the re- reason behind SALT conference?
1: Well, for me, what, I, what I've been uh, telling people that the SALT conference was an accidental reality. I, I didn't have this genius strategic, clairvoyant idea. Uh, In 2008, we were getting our uh, asses handed to us. We had very bad performance. And I thought, okay, my God, we might get knocked out of business. At that time, uh, the TARP money was being issued to the big money center banks. And Barack Obama, President Obama said, now's not the time to go to Las Vegas. And so we looked at that as a small business and said, you know what, let's go to Las Vegas. Let's put a conference there. Uh, Will take advantage of the vacuum that's being put in place by the pressure on these big companies. And so we started a conference. It was small in the beginning, it grew into something much bigger. I always wanted it to be an industry wide conference. So I downplayed the role of SkyBridge. I even downplayed my own role. I, I very rarely go on stage at the SALT conference, I do some salon dinners and so forth. And it grew into a pretty exciting place to be. We've had President Biden, President Bush, President Clinton, uh, three or four secretaries of state, three or four defense secretaries, four UK prime ministers. But then I'm, you know, I'm also a bit of a character. So I've had Maroon Five, I've had Will Smith, Ron Howard, Rob Reiner, Francis Ford Coppola. We've had a whole collection of different people from different industries. We had Kobe Bryant in 2017. It's a tragedy that we no longer have him uh, because of what happened in the helicopter accident. But for me, the idea always was how to create an atmosphere where people could meet each other, create new friendships, perhaps do business together, uh, learn something from each other. And then lastly, but perhaps the most important thing, have a little bit of fun. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm about trying to work hard and play hard. And so those conferences have been very successful uh, because of our cryptocurrency exposure. I invited some of the cryptocurrency people, Sam came at my suggestion. I met Sam through a mutual friend. Uh, I love the conference. And then he said to me, hey, uh, I'd like to get more involved. We signed a deal with Sam and FTX, where he is now our global sponsor and we agreed that let's do a conference near the global headquarters at FTX. And so uh, in April, April 26th to the 29th, we're going to do an event in the Bahamas called Crypto Bahamas. Uh, and we're going to have a whole host and a whole assortment of different people coming.
0: Yes, I was checking the uh, your website about SALT Conference. And yeah, you planned everything in Bahamas. And then later on, there's another conference happening in September in New York interesting so uh anthony do you also talk about bitcoin and cryptocurrencies with uh, all the mentioned people you just mentioned earlier that do you tell them actively like whenever you meet them like hey guys you should look into it or they're already considering it or they're already in
1: yeah well i you know i would say you know i made my first investment frankly in october november into december of 2020 so you know unfortunately we couldn't have a conference in 2020 because of the pandemic but The 2021 conference, certainly, we had tremendous amount of uh, cryptocurrency discussions. Uh, I talked to a lot of people about cryptocurrencies. I also talked to people about the need to stay long-term. And because you know this, everybody is a long-term investor until they have short-term losses. And then they get crazy and they start to lose their investment discipline. And so I could be wrong. I'm a hum, I've been humbled by life and I've been humbled by mistakes and humbled by markets. But if I'm right and the people that have looked at this carefully are right and these currencies scale, particularly things like Bitcoin and Ethereum, they will become very, very valuable, irreplaceable assets over time. And I think it's very important for me to educate my clients about that. And so the problem right now is it's so early and it's such an initialization period. Two to 3% of the globe is really focused on it. You got a lot of naysayers. You got a lot of doom and gloomers out there that don't either understand it or they've listened to Warren Buffett or they've listened to Charlie Munger. The money center banks certainly don't want it. The regulators don't want it. Um, but I think it's going to happen anyway, you know, and I'll point out to your viewers and listeners that when Uber first got on the scene, the regulators did not want Uber. But you know who wanted Uber? The people. The people wanted Uber and the people are going to win here again. You'll see. This will evolve. I mean, Gary Gensler, I got to tell you, I'm a little I mean, he said yesterday that uh, these crypto advertisements were akin to uh, praising the subprime mortgage market prior to the crisis. you know, So he's obviously uh, a very, very big bear and he's obviously about to try to impose his bearishness through regulation on the rest of us. So we'll have to see how successful he is in doing that. I think like each uh, individual entities
0: have a conflict of interest and they want to preserve their own benefits, right? Sometimes, uh, even though the innovation is massive and widely adopted. Uh, but I would like to quote your favorite line and which I personally like it. You said in multiple shows, like people who don't understand the trade, right? And who understand, keep it as a property for lifelong. So is this your mantra for the Bitcoin that you are not here for another two years, five years, but you are here for decades, like 10, 20 years or 30 years down the I road?
1: think yeah. Ha- I think you have to take that approach. I think you have to see this uh, as a long-term multiple decade story. You know, and, and and I could be wrong, um, <clears throat> but it doesn't feel that way. You know, it doesn't feel that way. I, I feel that the people, the smartest people who have done the homework own it or are part of it. And the people that are railing on it or are critical of it, when I talk to them, they haven't really done much work. And so I'm like, okay, because I, as an intellectually curious human being, I want to hear the opposite side. I want to hear the naysayers. I want to understand what they're saying, why they're saying it. You know, Peter Schiff is a nice enough guy, but I mean, you know, he's vacuous intellectually in terms of what he's saying about it, you know? And so so I haven't found anybody that I can look to and say, okay, I got that. This guy's really brilliant. And, uh, and uh, I got to rethink my thesis on where things are going vis-a-vis Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Yes I I was
0: actually today watching your uh episode with Peter Schiff I I don't understand at one point like uh like why everyone is trying to convince him that uh, Bitcoin is store of value and Bitcoin has far more advantage over the gold I mean I come from the country which is India like people buy lots of gold for some cultural issue, uh, perspective yeah. right but I mean um, as I have adopted this whole Bitcoin space in 2016 and since then I'm not an institutional uh, like a, a investor, but what I think is like uh, you also mentioned that like if you want to transport like 500 million worth of Bitcoin, you can just put it in one USB stick. But what about like a gold? You cannot transfer even to your neighborhood because it's like massive risk. So my question here is like uh, Anthony is. Does the Bitcoin place the inflation hedge? I mean, every day there is a news coming out like inflation hit thirty years high now thirty five years here year high. So what is your takeaway on bitcoin? like do you think the Bitcoin will surpass like a market cap of gold or or is it like a, there is going to be some volatility down
1: the road for the next couple of months yeah so i don't I don't think bitcoin is uh, is an inflation hedge It could be an inflation hedge. But I think Bitcoin is an early technology. It's an early technical adoption story. Uh, I was on TV, Bitcoin 33,000, January 24th, when I said to Andrew Sorkin, the guys that are saying this is an inflation hedge are aspirational. It may end up, once it's fully scaled and there's a billion plus wallets, as an inflation hedge. It may be uh, end up better than gold. It may end up as... Uh, Digital gold, you know, and, I'll, and I'm willing to accept that. But what I'm also going to say to you is that right now that's not the case. It's too volatile to be perceived as an inflation hedge in the near or intermediate term. Um, but we got inflation. I think the inflation short term, by the way. So I'm in the. It's funny, you know, when the Fed said the the inflation was transitory, that was the conventional wisdom. Then the numbers started cropping up and now the conventional wisdom is it's very far from transitory. But I think it's closer to transitory than anything else because some of it's supply chain issue related. Some of it is energy related. Some of it is the excess capital dump that the government put in place as a result of the crisis to protect people. I think a lot of that stuff is going to be washing out of the system over the next 12 to 18 months. And you have massive deflationary technologies that are coming on board, including Bitcoin and the blockchain, which you and I both know is a major de mechanism. And things like Bitcoin, the blockchain, automatic driving or autonomous vehicles, AI, all of these things are quite deflationary. So, so to me, I'm sitting here and I'm saying to myself, okay, uh, this isn't playing out. Perfectly, but this is playing out typically to other early adoption technology stories Amazon, Facebook, Google, believe it or not, Microsoft, which went public in 1986. It starts out, there's a boom, a little bit of correction, boom. You know, look at Amazon eight times uh, losing 50% of its value, that sort of thing. So we'll see, but you know, you gotta, you gotta be disciplined, and you gotta think about this for very long periods of time. If you don't do that, I think you're, 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 you're going to imperil yourself. You'll sell this stuff at the worst possible moment. Yes, indeed. I mean, even if you look at like right now, the
0: two of the stock I would like to mention, which is like a meta, previously Facebook and PayPal stock. I mean, they are like, looks like a total crypto coins, like a shit coin, like they are like a massive dump in last six to eight weeks, like 30% plus down the road. And people are talking about like uh, cryptocurrencies are the like uh, volatile market and you should stay away from it. It's like a speculative right? But do you think like this is also happening in like uh, traditional
1: finance, like uh, HSC market as well? Yeah, because we're moving so fast now and we brush things off so quickly. Uh, we're euphoric and excited. The thing's going like this. All of a sudden, something happens we didn't expect. Now it's like this. And it's too binary for me. You know, we're living in a zero one world, but there may be parts of the world that are 0.5. So there may be something in the middle that we have to look at. Technically, mathematically, fundamentally, and I think that requires time. You know, you know whether you like Warren Buffett or dislike him, uh, copy him in the following respect: stay in the game. Don't get brushed out of the game. There were three periods of time where Warren Buffett, even Warren Buffett, lost fifty percent of his capital. Three periods of time, uh, and boy, what a what a mistake that would have been if you sold out his position when that was happening to him. So, so, you know, w- w- what I think bugs people is that Bitcoin doesn't generate yield. Bitcoin doesn't generate. Um, and you'll say, well, wait a minute, Anthony, you can put it in an account and you can get yield that way, like at a block fire, things like that. But my point is, you you know what I mean about a static asset. It's a currency or a store of value. It's not a company that's generating earnings and creating, cash flow or dividends. But my response to that is, but the network itself has value. We know this from Robert Metcalf. We know that networks, conjoined networks are very valuable. And Bitcoin, in that respect, is one of the most recognized brand names in the world.
0: Yes, indeed. Uh, But to think, like, uh, I mean, 100% agree with you here, like, uh, network effects plays a huge role. Uh, But I would like to ask a specific question is, like, even though you are massively invested in Bitcoin, but I think you are also open for other uh, infrastructure-based projects, right? You are also part of Algorand, I think. Uh, But do you call yourself as a Bitcoin maxi? Because whenever I'm watching some good contents and some people are just religiously praying to the bitcoin like okay bitcoin is the thing and there is no ethereum there is no other infrastructure projects this is all our crap to them i mean what is your opinion about them i think bitcoin is a good good project right but if you want to build the d apps and like a whole infrastructure if you want to go into web3 technology then you need like several different projects right and also it should be scalable and bitcoin cannot have everything on
1: on their layer so i am a big believer in bitcoin but I'm also an open-minded person, you know? And so I would look at Ethereum, I've looked at Algorand. There are other coins, Avalanche, Polkadot, the Polygon chain, as an example. I think these are great properties. And I would stop and tell people, don't be overly religious, you know, to use that metaphor. And I would say, think of this like the cloud. Now I'm old enough to remember when people said, wait, what? I'm gonna take my data, this confidential data, and I'm gonna put it on another person's computer because that's basically what the cloud is, right? And so people said, no way I'm going to do that. And then they got comfortable with it because they said, well, wait a minute, this is a cost savings. This is gonna exponentially benefit my business. And it's weird to say it this way, but when electricity first started, each New Yorker had their own generator. And then Con Edison came in and built a generation plant and wired everything. And that was a much more efficient way to do things. And so the cloud became a much more efficient way to do things. I think that's what's gonna happen with the blockchain and cryptocurrencies. I think there will be 25 to 50 of these things that exist and they'll each have different use cases depending on the sector of the economy and you'll be able to trade and transfer value over the blockchain using those layer one technologies. And so I don't wanna be Bitcoin overly centric, but the flip side of it is I also wanna acknowledge Bitcoin uh, because I do think Bitcoin will remain the apex predator of cryptocurrencies because of the scarcity of it, the fact that it's the oldest one, it's the most mature. And people like me, Who are closing in on 60 are going to want to buy that over something that's newer. And I think the rate limiting step right now is the lack of having a cash Bitcoin ETF. But once we get that, I think we're going to be in really good shape interesting uh but do you think like even though
0: there is a like a volatility in the market but uh, sequoia announced yesterday like 500 600 million dollar of fund to buy directly the liquid asset so it means like liquid digital token from the directly market do you think yes. like at this peer market won't be as like compared to the last one i'm not sure uh if you have seen uh, closely the last peer market but i mean do you think there is an institutional fomo in the digital market or they are still not there they're waiting for bitcoin ETF.
1: I can only give you my opinion. I don't think they're there. I say that all the time. I'm surprised it's taking this long in some ways. In other ways, I get it. You know, institutions want to do two things. They don't want to get fired. and They don't want to look stupid. And so they don't want to buy Bitcoin at 40,000 if it was trading at one penny 13 years ago. And they don't want to buy it at the quote unquote top and then look stupid. Flip side is if the ETF comes into place, it's almost like a game theory. You know, if Wells Fargo doesn't have Bitcoin and Bank America does, it may cause a client migration over to Bank America. So Wells Fargo is going to want to offer that product as well as Bank America. You see what I mean? And so all of a sudden, if that happens, you'll start to see this expansion of the product line and an expansion of the demand. And you and I both know that there's a fixed, fixed supply. So stepping back, looking at the whole landscape, to me, my reaction to the whole thing is it's early. We have to be cautious. I don't tell clients to put more than 3 to 5% of their assets in it. Um, and But I do think that you're in a little bit of a downturn right now and this is a good time to be averaging into these positions as opposed to selling them out. Interesting. Uh, so like uh, people
0: talking about Web3, I'm sure you heard like many times a day, every day, like Web3 that There is here and there, everything is happening. So. Right. If, if we consider like Web3 started by you know, inception of the Bitcoin, right? 2008, nine. And after 10 years, the bubble burst, some sort of in 2018, 19, like Bitcoin came into like a mainstream media and everyone started talking about it. Of course, in terms of price speculation, it was really down in 2018 and then the beer market started. But do you think uh, like uh, there's like a massive opportunity lying ahead and we are still early in this metaverse DeFi and NFT space where we can see like uh, lots of uh, work is getting done. There are like lots of people and developers are building on MetaWars even though we are locked in our houses since last two years. So do you think <laughs> like uh, this This whole sector has some sort of role in the whole blockchain
1: space? Yes, I mean, I, 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 I do. And I, and I would say this to you, uh, something that Jeff Bezos once said, they were asking him about the volatility of Amazon. It's like, you know, I didn't really focus on that. I was focusing on the unit growth The sales, the number of accounts that were opening, the revenues that were all going up and to the right. And so, even though the stock was quite volatile, I was okay with it. I think that's clearly the case here. If you look at the developmental projects, the Lightning Network, the Layer One protocols and the use cases, the NFTs, the tokenization of real estate or art or other previously illiquid assets. That can be brought into a liquid market through cryptocurrency securitization, the blockchain, you pick it. Okay. I don't see how we can't have this unbelievably robust economic environment around the digital innovation economy. So, listen, I mean, it's the most exciting thing that I've seen in the 30 years that I've been investing. And and Andreessen said it himself, Mark Andreessen said when he discovered the full properties of the blockchain and the de-layering mechanisms of the blockchain, he was like, Oh my God, this is even bigger than the Netscape browser that I myself invented. And so I just think it's something we need to look at very, very carefully and be optimistic about.
0: Yes, indeed.
1: Uh, I think
0: we are, I have like a few couple of more questions, uh, which is also like current geopolitical situation uh, can also affect the market. Uh, There's a Fed meeting coming next month. Uh, they will do some tempering, fifty basis point or twenty five basis point. I'm not sure. Maybe you have more information. But do you think this these are the like some of the symptoms that we are slowing down? And the last thing is like we are locked down since two years, and now the world is opening up, and so all the retail investor will stop speculating on the market and they will go outside to enjoy the life. So what are your views on this all?
1: So, you know, I think think the opening of the economy is going to lead to a explosion in consumer activity and an explosion in growth. People that are pent up for two years, uh, they're going to get ready to spend money. You can start to see that in the stock market. The flip side is, it's going to take a while still to get the supply chain right. It's still not where it needs to be. We got to get the energy right. We have a green issue you know, in terms of the environment. So all of these things together are going to always create a little bit of uncertainty and a little bit of unevenness. You know, If, if the Russian president decides that he wants to attack and unilaterally invade the Ukraine, Um, that's going to come with a series of complications, economic sanctions. It'll push energy prices up. So what I would tell anybody is you don't know. Okay, you can plan for the future. You can take an educated guess of what you think is going to happen, but you honestly don't know. And if you're telling me two years ago you could have predicted the Russian invasion of the Ukraine, I wouldn't have been able to have predicted it. And so. All we can do is work with the limited knowledge that we have um, and the limited perspective that we have to make a good estimate, a good guess about where things are going. And so for me, um, I would use another Buffett expression. I would rather be roughly right than precisely wrong. I would rather not overthink it. But I see this opportunity. I see that the blockchain is this very big de-layering mechanism for society. So there's huge economic incentives for a very large group of people to get involved with it. And so therefore, I think it's going to happen. And that's it. It's not any more complicated than that.
0: There's also like underrated subject, which is like or overrated subject, which is like a regulation, right? Uh, uh President Biden, uh, there was some speculation, I think, I'm not sure. He said yesterday there was a news that he is going to sign the executive order to start going after the digital assets. And there's also rumors that SEC might start cleaning up some securities, like some of the tokens would be offered as in security. So what, what are your thoughts about regulations in digital asset space?
1: Well, I've always said consistently that it should be under the auspices of the CFTC. The, the body known as the SEC has too much authority. It's almost administrative overreach at this point. And so we'll have to see what happens. I think it's a land grab by Gary, Gary Gensler. But I would like to see it under the auspices of the CFTC because they're used to volatile assets. They're used to the futures markets. And I think if you want there to be innovation, and I do, and you don't want these jobs to be lost to the United States, you don't want the intellectual capital to fly out of the United States, then I think we've got to go in that direction. Interesting. Uh, uh,
0: Anthony, my last question is, uh, would you like to share some of the wisdom or something you would like to share? And for example, if our viewers can learn something that your story or you would like to share something which they can say, like I heard from Anthony and which uh, which got me help in like succeeding my life or career or health, anything, any wisdom you would like to share with us? Do
1: you believe in reincarnation?
0: Yeah, some sort of, I'm not sure, but yeah. Not sure. Okay. But But I'm coming from like the country like India where the reincarnation concept comes from. So yeah, Yeah. I I believe, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I'm I'm obviously got raised Catholic, so we're told not to believe in it, but I probably do believe in it. But here's what I would say to you that like, you're going to be at your best when you're serving others period, the end. And so if it's a business, when you're serving the customers and you're acting in their best interest, you're going to be at your best. If it's your family, if you're trying to figure out ways to provide comfort and make your family's lives easier or guidance, maybe you have to make your son or daughter's life a little tougher through parenting and guidance, but you're serving them or you're serving your country or serving your company or serving your friends and colleagues. I believe that the whole thing is designed about that. And I believe that your most joy is going to come from the process of that service. And so that's me. And if you wanted one thing that I could leave you with, your peer group, your listeners, listen to the inner wisdom in your own mind, in your own soul, in your own self. And i think you will find you're at your best when you're serving others and it may sound cliche but i know i get the greatest level of satisfaction when i'm doing that and i get the least level of satisfaction when i'm indulging myself well uh thank you so much antony for joining us Uh... my pleasure
0: thank you so much for joining us today we hope you enjoy our discussion remember to subscribe to our channel to get up to date with the latest news in the blockchain space links in the description box below please also reach out to us if you are a blockchain startup or know anyone who is looking for funding talk soon